0: section seventeen of the begum's fortune by jules verne translated by w h g kingston this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter seventeen parley before the citadel the two young men were little prepared for such a question it astonished them more than if they had been met by a rifle-shot max had had a great many conjectures about this mysterious town and the very last thing he had expected was that a living being would quietly demand the reason of his visit his enterprise legitimate enough under the supposition that stahlstadt was completely deserted assumed quite another aspect when the city was found still to be inhabited that which in the one case was but a kind of archaeological inquiry in the other became an attack by force of arms and bore the character of a burglary these reflections rushed in upon the mind of max with such force that he stood as if struck dumb who goes there repeated the voice impatiently there was certainly some reason for impatience for intruders to have reached this door by overcoming so many obstacles scaling walls and blowing up half the town and then to have nothing to say on being simply asked who goes there was somewhat astonishing in half a minute max became aware of the awkwardness of his position and he replied in german friend or enemy whichever you like i wish to speak to herr schultz directly he uttered these words an exclamation was heard from the other side of the door Och! and through the opening max could discern a red whisker half a bristly mustache and a dull eye which he immediately recognized as belonging to sigmar one of the uncouth beings who had been ordered by schultz to guard him johann schwartz exclaimed the giant with a sort of stupid joy johann schwartz the unexpected return of his prisoner seemed to astonish him as much as his mysterious disappearance must have done can i speak to herr schultz repeated max finding that this exclamation was the only answer he received. Sigimer shook his head. "'No order,' he said. "'Can't come in here without an order. At least you can tell Herr Schultz that I am here and want to see him. Herr Schultz not here. Herr Schultz gone,' replied the giant, with a shade of sadness in his tone. "'But where is he?' when will he be back? Don't know. Instructions remain as before. No one enter without an order. These disjointed sentences were all that Max could get from Sigmar who, to any other questions, maintained a dogged and obstinate silence. Otto at last became impatient. Where's the use of asking permission to enter? said he, It is much easier to take it, and he shoved against the door to try and force it open. It was held by the chain, however, and a more powerful arm than his soon shut it and rapidly drew the bolts. There must be several men behind there, cried Otto. Rather humiliated at this result, he applied his eye to the gimlet hole and uttered a cry of surprise. There's a second giant arminius no doubt returned max in his turn putting his eye to the hole yes it is arminius sigimer's companion as he spoke another voice apparently from the sky caused max to raise his head Verda, it said this time it was arminius who spoke looking over the top of the wall which he had reached by means of a ladder come you know well enough who it is arminius returned max will you open yes or no these words had scarcely left his lips when the muzzle of a gun was pointed over the wall and a bullet just grazed the brim of otto's hat very well here's an answer for that exclaimed max who placing some dynamite under the door blew it into fragments a breach being thus made otto and max their guns in their hands and their knives between their teeth sprang into the park the latter still leant against the now tottering wall and at its foot were traces of blood but neither arminius nor sigimer were there to bar the progress of the adventurers the gardens lay before them in all the richness of their vegetation Otto was delighted. What a magnificent place, he said. But look out, we had better proceed like sharpshooters. These sauerkraut eaters are most likely watching for us, hiding behind the bushes. Max and Otto separated, and each taking one side of the walk which opened before them. They advanced cautiously from tree to tree, from mound to mound, after the most approved principles of strategy. This was a wise precaution. They had not gone a hundred yards when a second shot was heard, and the bark of the tree Max had just quitted flew in splinters. This is serious! Down on the ground! ejaculated Otto. And, Adding example to precept, he crawled on hands and knees up to a thorny thicket bordering the square, in the center of which rose the bull tower. Max, not following this advice quickly enough, narrowly escaped another bullet, and only avoided a fourth by darting behind the trunk of a palm tree. Fortunately, these fellows shoot no better than raw recruits, called out Otto to his friend. Hush! returned max don't you see the smoke hanging about that window on the ground floor the villains are in ambush there but i mean to play them a trick in my turn in a trice max had cut a good-sized stick from the shrubbery on which he hung his coat placing his hat on the top having thus improvised a very presentable dummy he stuck it in the ground so that the hat and sleeves alone were visible then gliding up to otto he whispered in his ear just keep them amused by firing at the window first from your place and then from mine i'm off to take them in the rear and max leaving otto to skirmish crept cautiously away through the bushes a quarter of an hour passed whilst about twenty shots were exchanged without result on either side though max's coat and hat were completely riddled with bullets as to the window blinds otto's gun had sent them into shivers suddenly the firing ceased and otto distinctly heard a stifled cry of help help i've got him to leave his shelter fly through the shrubbery and spring in at the window took otto but a moment struggling desperately on the floor entwined like two serpents were max and surprised by the sudden attack of his adversary who had forced an inner door the giant had been unable to use his weapons but his herculean strength rendered him a formidable enemy and although thrown to the ground he had not lost hope of gaining the upper hand max on his side displayed remarkable vigor and agility the fight would certainly have terminated in the death of one of the combatants had not otto's intervention made a less tragic end possible The two together soon disarmed Sigimer, and bound him so that he could move neither hand nor foot. "'Where's the other fellow?' asked Otto. Max pointed to the further end of the room, where Arminius lay bleeding on a bench. "'Has he been shot?' he asked. "'Yes,' replied Otto. Together they examined the body. "'Quite dead,' said Max if so the rascal might have died in a better cause exclaimed otto here we are masters of the place said max so now to serious business let us first explore the study of the great herr Schultz." from the room in which the last act of the siege had been performed the two young men proceeded through the suite of apartments which led to the sanctum of the king of steel otto was lost in admiration at the sight of such splendor max smiled as he looked round at him and opened one after the other the doors of the magnificent rooms till they reached the green and gold apartment he had expected to find something new but nothing so strange as the spectacle which here lay before their eyes it looked just as if the general post office of new york or paris had been robbed and its contents thrown pell-mell on the floor on every side were heaps of letters and sealed packets on the writing-table on the chairs on the carpet they waded knee-deep in a flood of papers all the financial industrial and personal correspondence of herr schultz brought to the letter-box in the park wall and faithfully carried in by arminius and sigimer had been accumulated in their master's study how many questions what expectations what anxious suspense what misery and tears were enclosed in those voiceless envelopes addressed to herr schultz what millions of money too no doubt in paper checks bills and orders of all sorts everything rested here motionless through the absence of the only hand which had a right to break these fragile but inviolable seals we have now said max to discover the secret door of the laboratory he began by taking all the books out of the bookcase this was useless he could not find the masked passage he had traversed in company with herr schultz in vain he shook the panels one by one and with an iron rod which he took from the mantelpiece tapped them in succession in vain he struck the wall in the hope of hearing it give forth a hollow sound it was very evident that schultz uneasy at no longer being the sole possessor of his secret had done away with that door he must necessarily have opened another but where asked max it must be here somewhere as arminius and sigimer have brought the letters to this room which herr schultz doubtless continued to use after my departure i know enough of his habits to be sure that after bricking up the old passage he would wish to have another close at hand and concealed from inquisitive eyes can there be a trap-door under the carpet the carpet itself showed no signs of a cut but none the less was it unnailed and raised the floor examined bit by bit showed nothing suspicious how do you know the opening is in this room at all asked otto i am morally certain of it answered max then the ceiling only remains to be explored returned otto springing on to a chair His idea was to get up to the luster and sound the central rose with the butt end of his gun. However, no sooner had he grasped the gilded chandelier than, to his extreme surprise, it sunk under his hand. The ceiling opened and left to view a wide gap from which a light, self-acting steel ladder slid down level with the floor. It was a distinct invitation to ascend. Here we are. Come along, said Max composedly, and immediately began to mount the ladder, closely followed by his friend. End of section seventeen.